Man, I'm excited. I, I, don't, I don't count it lightly uh, getting to preach God's Word, and I don't count it lightly that uh, you came today because uh, each one of you are important to God, and each one of you um, took time out of your day to come and to, to hear the Word, and uh, I hope that what I have to deliver is a word in season, and I think uh, God has something specifically for us and for refuge. Uh, I love this church. This church is phenomenal. Like, the fact that God is doing something in your midst of 39 years of pioneering this church, that's no small feat. I was telling the team uh, last night, that's no small feat pastoring a church for 39 years. And God's just beginning. God is just beginning. So I want to encourage you around a word today. Let me pray, and then we'll jump into it. Jesus, thank you for today. It's the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. God, I pray for each and every person, for the word that is going to go out. It's alive, it's active, it's a double-edged sword, and I pray open hearts, open minds, ready to receive, and I pray that this word goes into the lives of your people, and they take it into their Mondays and all the things that uh, they might be dealing with or facing, they might be encouraged and uplifted. God, I thank you for Pastors Matt and Deb. I thank you for Refuge. And God, every person here, I pray your blessings on them in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 I have a southern accent. I am not from Wisconsin, obviously. Um, so if you hear my southern twang come out, it, can everybody understand me okay? Yeah. Little, little southern twang, though? Just slightly. Just slightly. My accents have blurred over the years. I, I lived in Sydney, Australia, uh, where I met my wife, my amazing wife, Sloan. Sloan, say hello. We met in Australia, where I went to Hillsong College, and then came on staff as one of our teaching staff, and uh, all the while we had one of our amazing kids in Australia, Jude, he's now five, and uh, from there they asked us to pioneer uh, Hillsong College USA, and we did that in 2019. I think there's a photo of uh, some of our family here. This is Jude. He is such a handsome boy. He's five. And are there any other photos? And this is Scotty. Scotty Marie. And yes, her cheeks are that chunky. She has got some chunky cheeks. And uh, she's just so lovely. She's such a beautiful baby girl. Is there one with the whole family? Or did you already show it? Nope. Oh, there's our, where we got married. I think she showed that. But Anyways, why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. I really felt in my heart to preach on Joshua and the wall of Jericho because Pastor Matt has spoken to Refuge about the promises of God this year and believing for the promises of God and going after the promises of God. And here we have a story of God giving them a promise, which was to take a city. And it was to circle the city, and God was going to do the work, and should come up behind me on the screens. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. He told him to see it before he had even done it. He said to see with faith eyes along with its king and its fighting men, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. 
So march around once each day for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, someone say seventh day. March around the city seven times. So now on the seventh day, you got to go around seven times, the most they've ever done. With the priests blowing the trumpets, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Someone say shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So I'm a hobbies guy. Anyone in here, can you relate to that? You just like hobbies. You like doing hobbies. You like tinkering. You like building things. Who's not a hobby person? Not really a hobby person. My wife's not a hobby person. She's like, Blake, you are definitely a hobby person. I've had so many hobbies. Like, I decided one time in Australia, I'm going to rebuild a motorcycle. Blake, have you ever ridden a motorcycle? No. Do you have a mechanical background? No. But I decided, if it's on YouTube... I can do it, and I decide I'm going to rebuild this motorcycle. I rebuilt a 1980 uh, Yamaha SR250, and, and that was a fun. I literally bought the motorcycle and didn't tell my wife. That is a bad idea. She shows up, and I have this motorcycle, and she's like, what have you done? I'm like, I have a hobby, babe. One time I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to roast coffee beans. Who are my coffee drinkers? As you're drinking a sip of coffee, yes, we know coffee is from the Lord, and I decided I'm going to roast coffee. Did you know that you can roast coffee in a popcorn popper? Literally, a little tiny hot air popcorn popper. So I decided I'm going to start roasting coffee. I roasted it inside of our house. Another bad idea. Literally, smoke and chaff, like the whole, it was like the glory of the Lord was in the house. And Sloan's like, what are you doing? It's like, I got another hobby. Then I decided I got to take the roasting to a whole nother level. And I decided I'm going to build my own roaster. And I found out you can build one with a propane grill, like a barbecue grill. I find one on the side of the street. I'm like, this is the Lord. I, I wheel it back to my house. I make this big cylinder colander, and I get like a roastery spigot and rotate it around, and I turn the grill on to heat up the beans, and someone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, babe, got another hobby. I decided one time I'm going to take up skateboarding. Like, that's the worst idea ever. Like, you're literally going at ridiculous speeds down hills, and you either are going to fall or you hold on for dear life and just trust that God's going to deliver you. I had the hobby of longboard skateboarding. I decided one time I'm going to get into gardening. I'm like, yeah, we're just going to grow stuff and we're going to eat it. We're going to live off the land. One time I wanted to start doing farming. I'm like, we're getting chickens. Sloan's like, we are not getting chickens. That hobby, no way. One particular hobby I decided to take up was cycling, bicycling. Yes, bicycling. So I went all out. I'm like, Sloan, this is what I'm committing my life to, cycling. Sloan's like, you're literally going to do it for like two weeks, and then you're going to be done. So I invested into all the gear, right? I bought the Lycra, I, the stretchy suit. Literally, I am in Lycra, like zipped it up, and Sloan's like, that is not a good look for you. Like, no guy should ever wear Lycra, and it had the pad in the bottom for your seat. She's like, that's not good. You're going to regret that one day. And I got the 
Airstream helmet, and then I got the shoes that like clip into the pedals. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? If you don't, they literally make shoes that clip into the pedals so you like can't get out of the pedal. Like, how is that a good idea? So I invest into this hobby, and I borrow a bike from a friend of mine, and he's quite a a, a well uh, advanced rider. And I'm like, you would think like start with an easy ride. Like start with just like a, a little light ride, maybe a mile, flat. No, I'm like, I'm going all out. I've invested into this thing. So I tell my friend Alan, I'm like, hey, take me on the most difficult ride that they have in Sydney. And he's like, hey, have you ridden before? I'm like, no. And he goes, well, it's kind of tough. It's long. It's a 10-mile double gorge that goes up one mountain peak, down another, through a river, up one mountain peak, and down another. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And who knows, whenever you start, you're excited. You start, you're enthusiastic, and I'm pedaling, right? I'm pedaling. I'm keeping up with them. One mile in, two miles in, three miles in. And then we start to climb. And it was not like Miley Cyrus, it's the climb. I'm talking everything in me wanted to quit. My legs are burning, they're on fire. There's literally a point, I'm speaking to my legs. I'm like, legs, you will keep going. And I had to tell myself time and time again, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And they're like, hey, you doing all right? One time we were going through some turns and going over a hill, and I, break, I hit the brakes incorrectly. I go over the handlebars. Like, I tumble, and they're all stopping, like, are you okay? Do you want to quit? And I'm like, no, I'm going to finish this ride. And I feel like for us today, I want to encourage some people like that ride because I had to tell myself to keep going. I had to tell myself to keep going even though it was hard, even though it was painful, even though I didn't really know how I was going to get through it, and I had to keep telling myself to not give up. And I want to tell you, I finished that ride, and I got to the end. They were way ahead of me, and I got to them, and they're like, well done, you finished. And I just remember feeling so relieved at the fact that I didn't stop, that I didn't give up. And I think about this story. Man, what if on the sixth day, The seventh day, the sixth lap, what if they're like, I just can't keep walking. I can't keep going. They wouldn't have seen the miracle of God at work. And they had to tell themselves some things in order to keep going, to keep moving forward, in order to finish. Why? Because on the seventh day, on the seventh lap, when that horn blasted long and they shouted, the wall came down and they entered the promise. And I want to encourage us today about some promises that God has for us and how we can keep prospering towards the promise. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Seven Confessions to Keep Going. Seven Confessions to Keep Going. I had to confess some things whenever I was riding that bike to not give up. And I believe for us, we have to speak out. We have to declare. We have to confess some things over our lives. Why? so that we keep going. Why? So that we don't give up. Why? So that we enter into the promise. Why? So that the walls might come down in some areas of our lives. Why? Because God has good things in store for each and every one of us. So point number one, fear is not my portion. 
that's a confession for us to have as we're prospering towards the promise. Fear is not my portion. I want to encourage some people here today. Fear is a liar and it's running out of breath, as one of our song lyrics say. It is a dog that barks but has no bite. The enemy will want you to live in fear. Why? Because fear is debilitating. Why? Because fear is crippling. Why? Because fear makes you want to stop. But I love, because of Jesus, we have been given faith. I love, I want to encourage some people, exercise your faith. Just like I was exercising my legs, faith is a muscle that you can exercise. And the more that you exercise it, the more that it grows. And I think we should be encouraged to have faith eyes to see the possible in the midst of the impossible. Man, what if you just said, God, give me faith eyes. Give me faith eyes for what I'm dealing with. Give me faith eyes for my family. Give me faith eyes for my job. Give me faith eyes for my church. Give me faith eyes for the new campus that we're starting as refuge. Give me faith eyes to see into the supernatural. Because fear is not my portion. Deuteronomy 31 in verse 8 should come behind me on the screen. The Lord himself, this is to Joshua before he goes um, into uh, take the land. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I remember um, Jude, uh, the photo that you saw, uh, when Sloan and I were first pregnant and believing for a baby. We were believing for a baby. And uh, got pregnant quite quick. And uh, Sloan shared a little bit of her story and testimony. Uh, but we were five weeks pregnant, and my wife uh, had a bad accident. She passed out in the airport going to visit her sister, and she fell and she broke her jaw in three places. I'm in Australia. I'm studying my master's. I'm working uh, for our church and our college. She's stuck in America, five weeks pregnant with a broken jaw. And I remember thinking, is my wife going to be okay? Is our baby going to be okay? And we continued to stand in faith, faith for her healing, faith for our baby. And the story goes on. She had a miraculous surgery got her jaw fixed, we get her back into Australia, and we're going to our regular appointments. The baby's developing, Jude's developing, and uh, over the course of a, a few months, the doctor starts to notice that her belly was getting smaller, and they're doing the measurements of her tummy and saying, hey, we're noticing that uh, the, the womb's starting to get smaller and smaller, and the, and the doctor spoke something over, uh, over Jude. He said, if he keeps getting smaller, he's going to be born with a deformity. And I remember fear creeping in. Like, God, he's our promise. You can't let that happen to him. And I remember fear creeping in in that moment. And we had to make a decision. In that moment, we had to confess, fear is not our portion. And we stood on faith. We declared healing over Jude. We declared blessing over Jude. We declared a full-grown baby boy. And I'll tell you, he is five years old, and he is fiery, and he is athletic, and he is fully developed. Can we give God some praise? Because he's continuing to be faithful to his promises, and he's saying, don't give up. 
We could have gave up in that moment, maybe believed uh, a doctor's report. Maybe you're in this place and a doctor's spoken, and I believe in doctors. But the doctor doesn't have the final say. Jesus has the final say. His word has the final say. And as we declare faith over our lives, we continue to walk out faith, and we continue to believe it until we see it on this side or the other side of eternity. Point number two, my strength comes from God. Every day, whenever we're prospering towards the promise, we can't do it in our own strength. Gosh, I know that more than anybody. Striving, trying to do it in my own strength. We wake up and we don't acknowledge God. We don't think about God. And I think we bring God into our day, bring God into our agenda so many times and we do it in our own strength. But what if we wake up every morning and instead of saying, oh God, it's morning, say, good morning, God. What do you have for me today? And then what if you put on his strength? And we sometimes forget because we're people, but then we remind ourselves again. Maybe you're here today. You need to be reminded. You've been doing it in your own strength. Tomorrow morning, wake up and do it in God's strength. Why? Because that confession is going to help you, help me, help us prosper towards the promise. Let me give you a verse, a promise to attach to it. Isaiah chapter 40, I held on to this over the last uh, three years through a pandemic, through trials, through difficult seasons. He gives strength to the weary. Man, if you came in here weary, God has a portion for you. It's called his strength. And increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who, I love it. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I love a famous quote from uh, Martin Luther King. He said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. I want to speak prophetically some people that feel stuck. Maybe you felt like you've been on that bike ride of life and you just can't go any further. I want to encourage you that God knows what you're going through, that God sees your situation, and he's here today to encourage you to keep moving forward. Even if it's crawling, even if it's walking, maybe you might be running, some of you might be soaring. And anywhere in between, I want to encourage you, don't give up, to keep going, to keep believing, to keep circling that city, to keep moving forward forward. Why? Because there's a promise on the other side. What you've been believing for, maybe what you've been expecting God for, keep going after it. Keep believing. Keep interceding. Keep believing God for the miraculous in your life. And he'll give you his strength. Point number three, keep my eyes on the prize. I remember the first time I found out I needed glasses which was about two years ago. And it's interesting, you don't realize you need glasses until you realize you need glasses. Because you're like, man, the font just keeps getting smaller and more blurry. And then one time, uh, I said, I probably need to go get my eyes checked. And I went in, and if anyone's ever gone to uh, the eye doctor, they, they look through, they drop the little lenses. And then I remember right at the end, I remember right at the end when they 
dropped the lenses down, and I'm like, yeah, it looks great. Like, that's what I've been able to see the whole time. And then they remove the lenses, and you're like, is my vision really that bad? Man, how many times in life we just need to maybe put the lens of God's perspective on our lives? Because when we do that, we get his word in our mouth, we get his word in our mind, and we start to see the way God would see. I think some of us need to put some spiritual lenses on, and when we do that, we keep our eyes on the prize. And who's the prize? Jesus. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Keep your sights set on heaven and believe that heaven is going to invade your earth. And I'll tell you this, when you believe for heaven's perspective, you believe for heaven's promises. And I'm believing heaven's promises over your life, which is healing. I'm believing heaven's promises over your life, which is wholeness. I'm believing heaven's promises over your life, which is blessing. I'm believing heaven's promises, which is in community, which is believing for more. And God's going to continue to meet you in your journey, on your steps, as you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed heavenward. Why? Because I love the posture of that. Looking up. Expectation. Optimism. Why? Because if you drop your head down in discouragement, your crown falls off. Do you know your royalty? And God did not intend for you to be in a posture of a head down. Because your crown stays on your head and you keep your eyes fixed on the prize. And when you do that, he helps keeping you move, moving forward. Prospering towards the promise and holding on to that confession. I'll keep my eyes fixed on the prize. Amen? Amen. Point number four. Right in the middle of my gorge trip is where it gets the most difficult. This is a valley season. This is a challenging season. This is a dark season. This is a midnight hour. This is maybe where they've been circling the wall for a few hours on that seventh day, and they're wondering, like, is God really going to do this thing? I've been walking for hours. How many times have we felt like that in our lives, maybe through the valley, maybe through the mundane, maybe through the trial, maybe through the difficulty? I want us to be reminded of this confession. What I'm going through is producing something in me. What I'm going through is producing something in me. Even in the difficult seasons, I love even trials God can use for his good. Even when he didn't intend for you to go through something, maybe when the devil was throwing his best at you, God says, I'm going to turn this around for good. He works all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And if we see with that perspective and we have that confession, you go, man, I'm not going to try to get out of this tough season. I'm going to try to get through this tough season. I love that Moses wasn't taken out of the Red Sea situation. He was brought through the Red Sea situation. And God's going to start parting some red seas in your life, I believe in Jesus' name, because you say, what I'm going through is producing something in me. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's hard. You're like, how can I have joy in the midst of trials? 
because I have a confession that what I'm going through is producing something in me, and what I'm going through, God's going to turn around for my good and for his good. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I love in the message paraphrase of this same passage. Consider it a sheer gift. What a perspective, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you may become mature and well-developed, not deficient in anything. And I want to speak to some people that are in the middle of the lap journey, middle in that gorge bicycle climb, that what you're going through is producing something in you. And we only know when we look back on hindsight and then when we didn't give up. And maybe you've given up. There's so many hobbies that I've given up that I remember and I reflect on. And it might be something in your life, a dream, an aspiration, something that God spoke to you. And maybe you weren't obedient in the moment. Maybe you gave up. Maybe it is something that is reminding you day in and day out. Today is a new day. A new dawn is coming. And I'm believing that the next season God wants to take you through is going to teach you what you need in order to step into all that God has for you. And you're going, yeah, I'm feeling that right now. I'm going through it right now. I want you to be reminded that God's going through it with you. I love that Jesus felt everything we felt. Jesus went through all the things that we went through, and he remained sinless. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave. So that same power that raised him from the grave lives in you, and it helps you to have the mind of Christ. And these confessions, as they help us prosper towards the promise, you continue to be reminded, I don't know why I'm going through this, but God, you're going through it with me. I don't know why I'm in this season. I don't know why I'm experiencing this trial. But I know if I don't give up, you're going to produce something in me on the other side of this. I want to encourage you, church, don't give up. Keep going. Keep moving forward. And I'm believing we're going to prosper towards the promise. I love this one. Number five, I confess this over my life all the time. I'm never down. Write that down. I'm never down. You go, well, Blake, what do you mean? Psalm 37, verse 24. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. Whenever I was on that longboard skateboard, there was a few times that I fell. But the question is, did I get back up? And in your life, you might stumble, you might fall. My question to you is, are you going to get back up? Blake, I failed. Blake, I've made mistakes. Blake, I've given up. But are you going to get back up? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to keep moving? Because God can't use you if you're just stopped. He's saying, I'll use you if you keep moving forward. And sometimes we can get stuck in fear and debilitated. But I want to encourage you today, maybe you're in that place. I want to say, man, allow God to stretch his hand out and to lift you up and take steps forward. It says, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. John Maxwell teaches leadership, said, I'm either up or I'm getting up. Even if you've fallen down seven times, get back up. I'm either up 
or I'm getting up. And whatever season of life you might find yourselves in, maybe you've fallen over the handlebars of a bike called life, I want to encourage you, dust yourself off, put some Band-Aids on, and get back up. I had to get back up because I knew that there was a promise awaiting me. I had to get back up because I knew God wasn't done with me. I want to encourage you, church, God's not done with you. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your mistakes, doesn't matter what you've been through. I want you to know that God is not done with you. And maybe you're just starting the journey. God is excited to start it with you. I'm never down. Point number six, I'm going to ask the team to come up and join me. I'm going to finish the race. Number six, confess this over your life as you prosper towards the promise. I'm going to finish the race. I remember uh, being in high school and in PE class. Do we still have PE class? In PE class, uh, you would have to go exercise. And we would be walking around the track, right? And you're just kind of, you know, chatting with your friends, meandering. How great of a word is meandering? We're just meandering and, you know, just kind of minding your own business, and, you know, it gets a little long, gets a little boring. You're like, man, when is this class ever going to be done? And then I love, I just got this picture of the coach going, last lap! Man, I'll tell you, I got a pep in my step. I'm like, all right, I'm going to finish this last lap. And, man, I think it just reminds me of a season that we might find ourselves in at Refuge, I think God's wanting to say, last lap, I'm wanting to wake some people up. I want some people to have a little pep in their step as we're taking new ground, new territory, new cities. I think like coach, God's saying, hey, church, last lap. Let's finish this race. Day seven, lap six, last lap. Been walking five hours Six hours, seven hours. Some scholars say they walked up to 10 hours on the seventh day. And man, the expectation they might have had. Might have been long. Might have been discouraging. Might have been difficult. Legs were tired. Carrying stuff. Following the ark. Man, are we ever going to get there? And they had a confession. I'm going to finish the race. And I want us to be encouraged here today. I want you to finish the race. The race set out for you. The race set out for all of us. Because we need to endure. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance. Last lap. The race that's set before us. Looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Thank God Jesus didn't stop. He could have called angels. To get him off the cross. But he freely, willingly stayed there. Why? because of me why because of you so that he could offer forgiveness forgiveness of sin I love that he decided I'm going to finish this race not my will but your will be done father and he took the scorn 
And he hung up on that cross for each and every one of us so that we could have a new life in him, so that we could have forgiveness, so that our eternity with him could be secure when we put our faith and our trust in him. For the joy that was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And lastly, if we could all stand. Because I left some time in this service on purpose. Because I think the last, which is probably the most important, is the seventh confession for prospering towards the promise. And it's the same thing that the Israelites had to do, circling the wall of Jericho. The same thing that we're going to do here on a Sunday morning at Refuge at Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Number seven, keep praising the Lord. Keep praising the Lord because I believe your praise will lead to your prospering. And he commanded them, when that horn blows, I want you to give a shout of praise. And that shout of praise is going to make walls come tumbling down that maybe have been around you and in your life. And you are going to prosper through your praise into that promise. The promise that God has for each and every one of you. The promise that he has for Refuge Church. The promises that he has set before us. Psalm 112 in the Amplified. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we sing the song that uh, I think is a beautiful name? Where it, hallelujah. Yeah, we'll do a beautiful name. Yeah, can we do that one? And then at the end, a charge, an anthem that we can shout. And people needing breakthrough, needing to push through, needing to keep going. This is the moment that will mark that. That they step forward and they're believing for the promises of God and in a city that God has for them. Psalm 112, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Why don't we in this moment have an attitude of gratitude? Why don't we praise the Lord in this moment? Why? Because praise gets your perspective off of what you might be going through and into what God is taking you into, which is His promise, which is His goodness, which is His deliverance. Why? Because the enemy would want you to be distracted. No, He's not going to distract you in this moment because your power and your praise is going to lead to the promise and the breakthrough. And I'll finish with this, Joshua 6.20. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Father, I pray right now that praise is going to unlock something in someone's life. 
I pray right now, maybe a city wall of bondage, of slavery. Right now, they're going to confess the promises of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God, the healing power of God, and that wall is going to come down. God, I pray people that are believing for the promises that you've set for them right now as we step into this moment of worship, we're going to take a moment and give a mighty shout of praise and believe for the promises to come. Greater is he in me, God, that is in the world. And we're going to take this moment to worship, Father. And I pray you have your way. Fill this place with your glory. Fill each and every one of your people so that we can continue to prosper towards the promise. Come on, team. Why don't you sing it out? Shout up a praise to God. Let's do it again. Thank you, Jesus. 
Well, thank you, Blake, for that powerful word. You know, I think of Proverbs 21:18 that says, "Death in life is in the power of the tongue." And so you're either speaking life or death over your situation, your circumstance. When you speak the word of God, there's no powerful statement that you can speak over your circumstance. What a powerful message! I trust that you heard this word today. While we're standing, I, I just want you to take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody moving around, looking around. I want to give you an invitation. I want to extend to you an opportunity to surrender your heart and life to Jesus. Now, maybe you've done that. Maybe you're a solid, strong believer. But I believe that we need to continue to take opportunities to surrender a fresh. And renew that commitment before God. So, regardless where you're at in your journey with God, we want you to surrender to Him, submit your life to Him afresh and anew. And maybe you're here and you've never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. Jesus died for you to bring forgiveness, salvation, redemption, so that you could know Him in a personal, in a meaningful way. You can encounter Jesus, and maybe you've never really had a personal encounter with Him. But it starts by you opening your heart and receiving Him and acknowledging Him as your Lord and Savior, acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that you've messed up and you cannot save yourself, but yet you can put your trust and faith in the One who came to save you. His name is Jesus. And he proved his credentials by his resurrection from the dead. What he taught, how he ministered, what he stood for, was confirmed when he raised from the dead as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world. And with heavy head bowed, nobody looking around right now. If, if you're out there and you say, "I I need to surrender and make a commitment to Jesus," and you have never done that before, I want you to lift your hand. Maybe some of you are. Sensing the need to come back to Christ, maybe you've drifted and and you've gone your own way. Just lift your hand if you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm ready to surrender my life to Him. I'm ready to commit my life to Him. Right here in this moment of time. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer together. Whether you lifted your hand or not, we're going to invite you to pray this prayer. We call it a believer's prayer. Because it's a prayer that expresses and embraces a belief and a trust in Jesus Christ, acknowledging Him as your Lord and Savior, acknowledging that God sent Him to die for your sins on the cross, and that He rose from the dead for you to give you life. So repeat this prayer to me, Heavenly Father. I open my heart to You, and I put my trust in Jesus. In this very moment, Jesus, I believe you died in my place. You paid the price for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Savior, as my Lord. Come into my life. Forgive me. I repent. 
make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Now, if you meant that person sincerely, continue just to talk to the Lord in your own words and allow Him to do a work in your heart because He alone is the only one that can. He transforms lives. He sets the captive free. He breaks the bondage of sin. He heals the sick and the afflicted. So receive Jesus and all that he has for you because he wants to reveal himself to you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, in our lives. Father, we renew our commitment to you for those of us that are walking with you. In light of this word we receive, Lord, let it take root and let it bear fruit in our lives so that we can take the next step in our journey with you into a place of greater freedom, a greater understanding, a greater revelation of who you are. In Jesus' name.